being here today to give us a chance to uh, treasure the Dittmore family and be a part of how we sense the Holy Spirit is leading our congregation. Um, some of you may be saying, oh, okay, uh, Scott, are you leading next weekend? Or are you singing? And uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you I'm not. I'm, a, I'm thrilled God has provided for us. Uh, the artist that you saw up here, uh, Natasha Barber, uh, she helped us out early this weekend, but she starts for us next week, and she'll be uh, leading a worship next weekend. So I think you'll enjoy her as well. <clears throat> I do. I want to, I'm pressed for time this morning, um, so I want to dive right in. Uh, I'm going to be talking this morning about meetups. It's a new series about uh, borrowing this, uh, this app, actually, uh, th- that has become pretty popular for people that want to meet new people. They simply go to this application on their smartphone, and they have a chance to do life with people that have similar interests. It's a chance to connect with people that have similar interests. And I got to tell you, last month, I had just this opportunity. I got invited to come to a, uh, a small circle of highly disciplined and, and very humble communication leaders down in my hometown, ironically. And I got invited to hang out with these guys. And it was just a surreal meetup for me. I want you to see a picture of one of them is Dudley Rutherford. He is uh, the pastor of uh, Shepherd Hills Church in Porter Ranch. Um, I, for me, he was a celebrity. He went to, we went to the same college in uh, Joplin, Missouri. He, is the, he was the chaplain, actually, for uh, Manny Pacquiao. Um, and the Pacquiao family actually attends his church. And he shared this story that he told his staff as they did the interview with Manny. He told his staff, hey, I want to remind you. We're no big deal. And he used this, this metaphor. He said, we're all just a blade of grass here. We're all just a blade of grass preparing people to meet Jesus someday. So don't, don't get a big head that Manny Pacquiao goes to our church. Get a big head that we get a chance to be a blade of grass and let Jesus Christ use us to change someone else's forever. This guy was humble. I mean, I was just honestly teary-eyed throughout his presentation it, it, I always laugh. When, when one of my sons laugh, I always wonder. <laughs> but it, it, it just choked me up big time to get to be with him. There were a couple other guys there that were just remarkably humble. For me, total celebrity. Uh, for me, I, this is the first public time I've shared this image. It just meant the world to get to listen to these guys and just practice some of their disciplines uh, where God's placed me. How about you? Do you have someone with whom you would just love to circle up with? Someone that you would just love to be across the table from in a small collection of people? Someone you'd love a meetup with. Maybe it's the CEO of the company you work with or the chief administrator of the district you work at. Um, maybe, maybe it's a, an athlete. Maybe someone that was on the senior tour this week. Some of you had a chance, I saw on Facebook, to be with some of these remarkable athletes Maybe for you, it's a chance to, for you, it's just to be with your wife. That's, that's, that's the circle right there. I mean, to get a be across the table from her uh, is a gift to you. Do you have someone in your life that is just that, you, that kind of person where you do whatever 
it would take to meet up with them. Do you have that person in your life? Uh, And if you were given the opportunity, would you take it? If you were given an opportunity, would you take it? And I want to suggest that your human nature is, is the default mode of comfort and sometimes laziness. You might not take it. You might not pay that conference fee. You might not pay that stay at that temporary housing. You might not pay for that flight. You might not be willing to, uh, to work that extra day or travel that distance because our nature is to just be comfortable. It's not to, to go the extra mile, to be with someone and have a moment with them that could change our life. And... I wonder if that describes you, someone who's got big dreams, but if, if an Ivy League recruiter came into your high, onto your high school campus, you'd be too lazy to go meet him or her. Or if a recruiter came onto your workplace that could give you an opportunity that you would have never asked for or imagined, you might think, you know what, I'm not, I'm not worth that. That's not me. Instead of believing that the Holy Spirit placed you where he's at, loves you deeply, and would give you that very opportunity to connect with someone, to have a few minutes with someone that's just like you, a human being that's been graced, then maybe you would take the opportunity and go experience something that could be life-changing for you. I don't know. But I know in this passage that I'm going to look at, this interaction that Jesus has with some visitors. Maybe you've never seen this passage. This interaction that Jesus has with some visitors begs several questions. And the big question is, how badly do you want to see Jesus? Personally, how badly do you want to see him? How far are you willing to travel to see him? How much are you willing to sacrifice to experience him? And how far will you go to serve him? How badly do you want to see Jesus? How badly do you want to experience him personally? If you came this morning with your Bibles, open them up to John chapter 12. I'm going to be in verses 20 through 36. If you came without a Bible, if I could get someone to just voluntarily provide those, lift your hand up if you need a Bible, and you'll be able to follow right from where I'm teaching this morning. Before I read, I want you to know that you're going to anticipate something unique that only Jesus' beloved, perhaps favorite co-worker, John, captures. And that is that there are some guys that catch up to Jesus in the last few days of his life. This happens on probably a Tuesday or a Wednesday, uh, just the day before he was betrayed and dies in uh, 33 A.D., And some people travel a long ways to see him from a Greek province. Here it is, verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus... Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it. While the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 
Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be, or rather also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. My heart is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to them. Jesus said, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, but I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die, death on a cross. The crowd spoke up, we have heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Then Jesus said to them, you are going to have the light for just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he's going. Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become sons of the light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and he hid himself from them. So here's, here's what's happening in this passage. It's the, it's the feast of Passover. A required attendance for any God-fearing Jew or proselyte in the case of these Greeks who were willing to travel very far to see Jesus. How badly did they want to see Jesus? They were willing to travel, according to one historian, Josephus, up to 200 miles from Syria. Josephus, the first century historian, argues that they were sent on a mission to provide Jesus asylum in Syria. How far would you go to see Jesus? They traveled from Syria south. No doubt it would have taken, I think the average person walks about 20 to 25 miles a day. My average is in the 5 to 10 range. No doubt this would have taken them over a week. How far will you go to see Jesus? When you have a chance that to go to church on Sundays, are you sometimes perturbed that you have to get ready? Uh, you have to dress up. You don't have to dress up. We have a come casual Church, don't put too much pressure on yourself, but maybe you get stressed about getting dressed. Maybe you get stressed about how many lights you have to go through. There's four or five, how many stop signs, whether or not the coffee's going to be hot. How far will you go to see Jesus? What about something outside of this context, our worship, our Sunday worship context? What about if the Holy Spirit directs your heart to go be a part of a a personal conference, like a, like a men's retreat, a women's retreat. Something that's there to, to, to fuel you, to fill you on a weekend so as not to, not to take away from your work week. How far will you go to see Jesus? Or what if you're given the opportunity to, the Holy Spirit gives you a chance professionally to go away on a conference. It would mean leaving your spouse at home. Typically, spouses are okay with that. We, we sometimes absorb more of their, their, their need for us to be here than, than they're actually sending that vibe. They're good with us being gone. At least I've sensed that sometimes. And gone away and gotten the professional retreat, the development you needed because you sensed the Holy Spirit was giving you that opportunity. How far will you go to see Jesus? 
Folks, how do you know when the Spirit is telling you to go do something? How do you do this? How do you make that decision that this is an inconvenience, and yet this could be a a life-changing moment for me? Here's how you do it. Make a decision that you're going to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit, that you're going to be Spirit-led. And I know that the Spirit's leading me, typically, when I'm uncomfortable, when I don't initially want to do something. Not always, but sometimes I don't want to do it. I, I want to stay, stay at home and like often people say, you know, take care of myself. Take it easy. <laughs> yes, David, I heard you back there. And the Spirit is often working against my default mode, which is the flesh. And so if I'm going to, if I really want to see Jesus or experience him, I've got to be willing to follow those promptings of the Holy Spirit and do what he wants me to do even when I don't feel like it. That's the best life possible. How far are you willing to go to see Jesus? These Greeks were willing to go a long ways to see Jesus. Secondly, how focused are you willing to be to learn from Jesus? How focused are you willing to be to learn from Jesus, to be a student of Jesus, a disciple, someone who's growing in their knowledge and faith in Jesus? And Jesus speaks in a language that is universal. That means it appeals to any culture. He speaks in a language that's timeless. That means that what he said to the first century is applicable to the 21st century. And he did this so creatively by using figurative language, especially parables or stories and analogies, which are shorter stories, similes, and in this text, metaphor and and analogy. And he uses metaphor because metaphor not only embeds itself in our minds, but according to experts, metaphor has the ability in one image to capture both the mind and the emotion simultaneously. When he says, like a kernel of wheat that dies, unless it dies, it produces nothing. He's speaking of his own life. It's easy when you hear that metaphor to imagine a field that is that, that grows as a result of this kernel that dies and produces wheat and, as a result, many more seeds. Yeah, I get that. But with figurative language, it's always tricky because it's easy to walk away from them sooner or quicker than you plan to. Because in the next line, what does Jesus say? Whoever wishes to save his life must lose it. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, even eternal life. He, he follows his teaching on his own life that's like a kernel of grain that must die so that it will produce many seeds. That has obvious application in the life of the apostles. When he dies, his apostles and disciples will go throughout the Roman world, even into the Middle East, into India, and into China, into Africa, into um, uh, uh, the West. To When I say the West, I mean Britain. Some say Paul even went there. When the disciples went out, it was an example of his seed being sown throughout the world because he, that colonel, was willing to die. But it's easy to walk away from that and think that it doesn't apply to you. You see, the first question is, how far are you willing to go to see Jesus? And the second question is, how focused are you willing to learn from Jesus? And the third third question is, how, how much are you willing to sacrifice to experience him?
Because Jesus teaches us that to experience him means to die. To experience Jesus means to die to your flesh. There's like this slow process of death. In fact, I like how John Calvin said this. Something to this effect. If I must die, if to bear fruit we must die, we should patiently allow Christ to put us to death. If you wonder, why is it that I experience this kind of inner agony, this inner sharp pain sometimes, it's, it's not just because it's, it's medical. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit trying to get you to trust Him that it's okay to die to yourself. That's where the real life is. How much are you willing to sacrifice to experience Jesus? This is a tough one, I think. Because the truth is, I don't always feel like doing what's right. Aren't you like this? I don't always feel like exercising. I don't always feel like eating healthy. I don't always feel like a salad or fish or chicken. I want gelato. I I feel like pizza. I feel like Mexican food. I feel like Italian food. Lots of bread. And yet, it's this very week that they're celebrating in Jerusalem, the week of Passover, that is a week of self-denial. Imagine this. Passover is about the exodus of the Hebrews out of Egypt, and they spent all week eating the same thing, unleavened bread. No yeast, that means flat bread, like crackers, all week long. Now, some of you are thinking, hey, I'd, I'd like to do crackers. That sounds kind of fun with olive oil, maybe a little, little spice, you know? Yeah, I could work that out too. But all week long, you're eating the same thing. It's called the bread of affliction. A couple other pieces. No one works all week. You don't work. You just sit and visit with people all week long. For some of you that are not social, you wouldn't enjoy it. No smartphone access either. Evidently, in the first century, they turned all the satellites off, so no one had access on their phones to Google or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Everyone just had to talk and eat crackers, and they had lamb twice, the first day and on Passover, probably Thursday or Friday, depending how you attempt how you interpret it. Bottom line is, no one was maybe getting what they wanted. Oh, and no air conditioner. No air conditioning. They shut all the units off in Jerusalem for that week because they wanted to remember how much God had done for them. They wanted to remember their haste, how God rescued them. How much are you willing to sacrifice to experience Jesus? Are you willing to sacrifice your own comfort? Are you willing to be uncomfortable? Really? When you get an invitation, when you get an offer to do something, do you find yourself resisting anything that makes you uncomfortable? Or do you actually find yourself drawn to it? Because you know the Holy Spirit's got a word for me. I get to hear something I'm going to like today because I am uncomfortable. That's where I want you. Where you walk into uncomfortable situations because you get a chance to hear from Jesus. Let me tell you, hanging out with Jesus, I don't think he was always just telling me, would just tell me how smart I am and how cute I am and how much, how, how special I am. Let me tell you, hanging out with Jesus, it was intimidating. I think that's why these Greeks approached Philip, who was a Greek, and asked Philip, sir, we, we'd like to see Jesus. There was a lot of respect around Jesus. And yet he was a a man of the people. He was approachable. How badly do you want to see Jesus? How 
How far are you willing to follow him to serve him? How far are you willing to follow him to serve him? We have a missionary in Cambodia, uh, in Cheyenne Ledbetter. We have missionaries that help start this church that are in the Caribbean islands, uh, the Wardamans. We have missionaries that we support and send people to in Zimbabwe, in Bihar, India. Where's the Holy Spirit sending you? Because Jesus offers this promise. Where I am, my servant will be also. When you choose to serve Jesus Christ, you choose the presence of God. How come you don't experience the presence of Christ more frequently? I'll tell you why I think we don't. I think Californians struggle with this particular verb more than any other. Right here, this verb. Service. We like to be served. Oh, we're good at that. That's a gift. But serving others, are you serious? Do it just yourself. It's tough for us. My brother used to run uh, Five Star um, in Southern California. uh, And he said his best employees were from out of the country. You hire locally, you're in trouble. I think my my brother-in-law would tell the same thing. You hire locally, it's tough. You want people that understand service. People from Asia, people from South America, they understand service. Folks, I want to challenge you to become willing to serve Jesus wherever he calls you. Why do you get lonely? I think sometimes we get lonely and we're not experiencing Christ because we say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to take it easy. I'm just going to stay by myself. I'm just going to take care of this. And you know what happens? We miss out on the presence of Jesus because we're not serving now, there's others of us that are over-serving. You're not taking a day off. You need to have a day where you sit and let Jesus serve you. I think that's one of the hardest things about this week is you have to get there and you don't get to work the Feast of Passover. But you've got to be willing to, to take some time off and shut down, unplug. I'm so excited. In a couple of weeks, uh, the first week of my vacation, I'm taking my sons and wife we're going to Old Man's in San Onofre, San Clemente area, right across from Camp Pendleton. My coach is giving me some surfboards. We're going to be at a campsite, and we're just going to surf all week and read books and have campfires and eat one meal of Mexican food each day, and that's it. Doesn't that sound cool, just chilling? Can't wait. Hanging with my family and reading good books. Folks, How badly do you want to see Jesus? How badly do you want to see him? Can you see yourself as a Christ follower that recognizes the Holy Spirit is working all around you and there may be spirit-led opportunities that you need to seize? Maybe for you, it's taking your, your sons with you men on our men's retreat coming up in September. What an opportunity for your children and for you to grow with other men. Maybe the Spirit is going to lead you to become a more devoted learner. Maybe you just need to simply confess, hey God, I apologize. I'm not interested in reading the Bible. I'm just not a student at all. That's how I was out of college, out of high school. And maybe you just need to confess that so that you can take some next steps. Just be honest with him. Ask him, give me a spirit where I'm interested in your word. Give me a passion for learning. 
Ask him for that. Maybe it's what you need. A few books to consider this summer. Brother Yun's Heavenly Man. Excellent book. Heavenly Man. Uh, Nick Ribkin's uh, The Insanity of Obedience. Excellent books for summer reads. If you need something to help you with your reading. Finally, maybe God's Spirit. Can you imagine God's Spirit helping you deny yourself so that you can experience more of Jesus? Deny yourself right where you're at and let him lead you to follow him. And then be willing to serve. Where is the Holy Spirit calling you to serve? In this church, in our community? For you to be willing to serve. Because when you're not serving, there's an emptiness of Christ's presence. You don't enjoy it as much because you don't experience him. Now, Jesus summarizes the whole message. He says in the latter verses that his death on the cross is going to be known to all men. He says, when I'm lifted up on the cross, I will draw all men to myself. He's going to put, he's going to put the devil in critical condition. He's going to remove the sting of death. He's going to remove the future effect of disease and sickness through death. He's going to absorb the full consequences of sin, rebellion, and self-absorption on the cross. But he ends his whole message by saying this. The light is with you only a little while longer. Put your trust in the light. And I would ask you this morning, are you putting your trust in the light? Trust in the light. Trust in the light. If you've never made a decision to trust in him, your prayer today is, if you're ready, is to simply say, Jesus, I'm ready to put my trust in the light. I'm ready to put my trust in the light. For the first time, I want to become a Christian. If that describes you, why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? Heavenly Father, we come to you and we just put our trust in the light. We put our trust in you. If you want to become a Christian today, I challenge you right from where you're seated to say, God, I put my trust in your light, Jesus Christ, who died for my sins and rose again from the dead. I make him the leader of my life. Again, if you want to become a Christian today, pray that prayer with me. God, I put my trust in the light. Your son, Jesus Christ, who died for my sins, was raised from the dead and who gives me new life. And if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to ask you to raise your hand. I want to celebrate your decision this morning. Raise your hand and let me celebrate it. If you prayed a prayer to trust in the light for the first time, raise your hand high so I can see it. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Lord, fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to move to communion.